0: This is the Gospel
1: Revolution.
2: Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. I know that all the wild been knocking from within. You are the love you see, A perfect love you need, right?
0: Here's the founder and president of the Gospel Revolution, Michael Lilborn
1: Williams. Hello, Daniel Thomas Rouse. How art thou today? I am doing
0: stupendous.
1: I didn't know where you were going there with stew (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I am stew something, uh, but I will go with pendus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to see you, my captain. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. And uh welcome to all of our uh GRs and our visitors. we Daniel, we have so many new listeners right now. Mm. Uh that's happened for a reason. It's because of the support that other uh GRs bring to us and, and helping us to get this done. They now we don't have as much as uh Joel Osteen has coming in. I I think you told me just a little financial support, remember now his father heard what the gospel revolution teaches, sitting in Lubies several times over four days and there on the grounds at the church that seated only ten thousand told me <laughs> and uh the wonderful man I just gosh for a preacher of the things that these guys taught he was. Uh, uh, as far as character, I I loved John Osteen. He was a decent man. Mm. He cared enough to ask. He let me know then that he could not teach it, and therefore his son cannot teach it and is not teaching it. But it seems that not teaching it can make one quite uh, wealthy. What has happened?
0: Yeah, just this last week, uh, Joel Osteen, with tears in his eyes, announced to his congregation that they had recently paid off a $100 million uh, banknote for their church annex building. Now, this isn't the church building. This is the church annex. (laughs) $100 million. He took out the loan in 2003 and was happy to announce that as of December 31st, 2023, the $100 million note had been paid in that's how much a year he paid on that. That would be $20 million a year. No, five, I'm sorry, $5 million.
1: I had that backwards. $5 million oh, a year. 520. What <laughs> difference does it make, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it seems to pay to not share the gospel. So mm. I want you to think about that a little bit, folks, that uh, people are being rewarded for not making a choice, a deliberate choice. mm Uh, uh, two generations now have deliberately made a choice not to share what the uh, father agreed. There was nothing uh, scripturally incorrect, but he just could not teach it. And now that I still I love John Osteen. I, I loved him for being honest. I loved that there was. When I was going through this, there was very little honesty coming out you know the, the people would hear this, and then I got accused of uh sex drugs rock and roll and mm. uh I was guilty of some of that. they just never got the right story so because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love rock and roll uh, <laughs> but uh now this was uh this was a very incredible uh I in my life uh that trip to Houston at the invitation of John Osteen uh the father of the now uh, famous or infamous whatever he is uh Joel Osteen, uh, that uh has the the eternal smile <laughs> um. And uh, I mean, I, I know what Joel's going to look like, like it. I mean, <laughs> they're not going to be able to get that smile off his face, uh, but you know, he has reason to smile that big. Right. Oh yeah. So, yeah,
0: for sure. And now he's got $500,000 a month in surplus. We should write him a letter yeah. and say, Hey, oh, help,
1: help, help a brother out. 500,000 in surplus. Well, you know, uh, we're not complaining. Uh, we're just, um, uh, you know, we're dreaming. We're, we're <laughs> butt hurt about all this.
2: So.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, when you're butt hurt, you might as well admit your butt hurt. Jeez folks. So anyway, we do appreciate our, uh, GR supporters that cause us to, uh, you know, goodness, uh, uh, if we can just keep from struggling to the degree that we have in the past, uh, that'll be very nice in and of itself. But we really do have a heartfelt thank you to you guys. Um, mm. uh, there's some of you that if you had those kind of bucks, you'd uh, send it that way. At least that's what they all tell me. You know, boy, if I win the lottery, Mike, and it's like, okay, yeah, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mike <Hoop>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that even the people who acknowledge that Mike Williams had anything to do with their life, they would never say Mike Williams or Michael Lilborn Williams. And neither do they say Mike Williams of Mike Williams ministries or gospel revolution. Cause if you type in Mike Williams, there are hundreds, uh, mm-hmm. there's, uh, um, uh, football players and preachers and, uh, politicians and everything else that are Mike Williams. So, you know, if you just put down Mike Williams, uh, I'm not looking to get credit, but I would like for people to know that part of your journey included the gospel revolution. So,
0: you know, and Michael, it's our goal not to just uh, help those now, but also those in the future, mm-hmm. you know, last year we welcomed those all the way in the next uh, millennia, <laughs> but uh we uh, this today we want to welcome those in the not too distant future for us and that's the year 2025 yeah
1: let's uh yeah welcome in 2025 because 2024 seems to be uh, going to be a very formative uh, uh year for our country and um uh we are not uh endorsing or uh, putting any position let me make sure that everybody knows this. The gospel, nor the gospel revolution, nor Mike Williams ministries, to stand on any political uh, person, uh, any political view. Now, do, do we have our personal opinions and stuff? Oh, Daniel is such a radical. <laughs> you would not believe how radical he is. That is irrelevant because there I can tell you that Daniel's persuasions of uh, his politics do not come through. And mine does not come. Some of you say, oh, yes, Mike, I can hear it in there. I know what that is. Uh, but no, you can't. That's, just, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> a persuasion that just simply is not there. We work very hard because we know people of all political persuasions need the gospel. So that's mm. where our heart yeah. is. That's where our mind is. Uh, It does supersede everything that we have as opinions uh, about things. If we see things that are undermining uh, the gospel and uh, people are saying uh, things that uh, uh, completely uh, disagree with Christianity, you know our beef with Christianity. Uh, We don't make any bones about that. I don't think Christianity gets much of anything correct. Uh, So uh, that part, you know, and that part we've been uh, stating for, uh, goodness, decades. Uh, The the wiles of Christianity and its uh, devastation Mm. to anything that it gets involved in, no matter how much the motives are promoted as one thing, it always turns out to be something else. So, as
0: we look to the future, I think, um, Michael, I I feel that spirit of prophecy on me that um, the (laughs) next president of the United States will not be the Antichrist,
1: nor will he be the savior of the world. Oh, I thought we were going to have to bleep again. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, those things we can tell you is the Antichrist is not now ruling and uh, regardless of which side. Now, I know that there are some people out there that absolutely are convinced that if one side or the, in fact, there's people on both sides that are convinced that if the other side wins, that's the Antichrist. So uh, we are disagreeing with both. So if that gets us in trouble, then we're in trouble. Uh because the uh, you know the term Antichrist only shows up in the teachings of John. and if John was right about the Antichrist, then you have absolutely no hope about salvation because <laughs> no. uh, you're damned if you do, you, and you're damned you're if you do both. Don't. And all in the very first chapter, good Lord, mm. uh, uh so yeah, if you if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. But uh, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the father, but he that says that he uh, has no sin is uh, it's just it, I mean, it's a volleyball <laughs> court that is from one one state of reality to another state of reality. They just yeah. don't mix. The only thing we know about this, John, is he's not the John of the book of John, the gospel of John, and he's not the John of the book of Revelation. As as I did for quite a long time, I just say point out and say, "See, this guy is smoking something." Uh, because uh, <laughs> uh, why halt you <laughs> between two opinions? Uh, somebody needed to tell the writer of First John the Elder that because he halted between two opinions. Uh, you can't sin, but if you do sin, <laughs> And I mean, uh, what a confused mess mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. Now, the fact of it is, is the, the faultiness of Christianity is they try to explain that, and there is no explanation for mm. it. You just have to accept that it's whacked.
0: So, we knew that in spite of whatever happened, that uh, just here in 2025, yeah. the world has not ended. <laughs> you might see turmoil all around, but we knew that you would be here, and uh, we're happy that you're listening to this podcast today because we think it'll help you.
1: And we knew you'd still be righteous and holy and perfect. And so Mm. is whoever that won. And so is whoever lost. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Yep. That's our big political (laughs) stamp. Deconstructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows
0: of Christianity before your very eyes. You are listening to The
1: Gospel Revolution.
0: I am buzzing from last week's podcast, actually the last two, but I had texted you after I had the chance to listen to what we had recorded. In that one podcast, learn more about the book of Matthew than I have in an entire life of learning about Matthew. Now, Mm -hmm. I say that to say that I've sat in courses through Bible school uh, that lasted several months that taught on the book of Matthew and i have to say that what we learned last mm-hmm. week uh by going through just the first 7 chapters of matthew is more than i have learned in my entire life about the book of matthew
1: well and let me uh uh remind the folks that uh one of the two of us uh is a, a bible school graduate and has a doctorate and uh on and on uh he is uh a certified scholar of Bible teaching and uh and one of us is not. Now I'm not <laughs> gonna tell you which one is and which one isn't because <laughs> we just don't get political it. <laughs> the one making that statement is just I, I mean you've got to realize what that means, folks. That the Gospel reached into the heart of a man who dedicated his life to the point of uh receiving a doctorate in uh in this in these subjects, and do you hear what he just said uh that this teaching on Matthew, even just the last two weeks, I think he would trade all of those and his doctorate in oh yeah, for just this magnificent understanding of the teachings of christ uh mm. And we've let it speak for itself as much as possible for those points that we have colored it with our opinions. We are fully expecting that you will help us get that out. Uh, We are not laborers alone in this thing called teaching. We are co-laborers, not just Daniel and I together, but you that are listening. You are co-laborers in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that I'm in contact with uh, uh, are uh, constantly helping me understand the gospel. It is just so wonderful. Uh, one of those uh, that is that started out just a, a few weeks ago uh, had been asking questions, and he really was torn between the teachings of the uh, uh, the aforementioned. That uh boy, wouldn't it be terrible to be reduced to an aforementioned <laughs> uh but anyway uh he was uh truly wanting to know, and so we've been uh uh doing some dialogue, and actually he was not only engaging with me he was engaging with them, mm. and uh we just got a uh Uh, one of the texts that I received from him, I thought was just so powerful. I asked him if I could put his name on it and we publish it. Now that you've already seen this uh, on our uh, Facebook page. And, but I want Daniel, I think we need to read that again. I think it's so vitally important.
0: Yeah. He wrote in and said, the movement of the fallen mindset that you've put the light on for me is very Subtle, like you say. Basically, what they're saying is it was man that demanded the cross, not God. Hmm. And if that is true, then we are all miserable fools for believing in the power of the cross. If man demanded the cross, then it has no power at all.
1: If man demanded the cross, the cross has no power at all. Uh, That is emphatic. Uh, It is true. Uh, This is what they skirt around. And uh, he continued on in that thread of conversation to let me know that he was speaking with uh, uh, Kay Fairchild, which does post and that shows up on our site all the time. And uh, he engaged with her. And uh, was asking some very simple, earnest questions, and he got the same answer that you did, uh, Daniel, and just uh, uh, she actually blocked him mm. and deleted the the now I can't I, honestly, I don't know that she did block him, but she did delete the entire thread. Uh, uh, why? Well, what are you doing? Why are you trying to control? Mm-hmm. The the thought, why are you trying yeah. to control that? Anything that comes through, why would you not take that and use it as a point to either explain your position? What a wonderful and what a sad thing to lose and to throw out is that someone expressed an opinion that either agrees with you or disagrees with you. But what a wonderful place to either explain your point or change your mind. Mm hmm. I think these guys have a fear of changing their minds. Uh, It is a very fragile, uh, pieced together teaching. It is based on nothing scriptural. There is nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, if I spelled that correctly. (laughs) uh, There is nothing uh, scriptural. There is nothing biblical. There's nothing in the teachings of Christ. There's nothing in the teachings of Peter, James, and John. There is nothing in the book, uh, the the in the Revelation. There's absolutely nothing in the teachings of Paul. There is nothing in the teachings of Apollos, not a line, not a breath, not a thing that would support that position. Yeah. And because we've looked. Uh, now, we've asked them for it, and they've done the same thing that they did to Chris, they've done to us. They absolutely refuse to, uh, and that's just intellectually dishonest. Now, the position is not intellectually dishonest, but the response to people who have questions and you refuse to answer the questions and then, and the dismissiveness of anybody that choose or dare or deign to disagree, that's intellectual dishonesty. Uh, just mm-hmm. straight up, and yes, that's exactly what uh, we have seen. Now, the fact of it is they are righteous and holy and perfect uh, based on the uh, teachings of the gospel as presented uh, by comparison in the, in the teachings of Christ and the parables uh, uh, of Christ and, the teach- all and also of the teachings of Apollos. Their teachings don't even agree with the people who disagreed with Paul. Right. They disagree with them even more than Paul. Uh, Because there are elements of that we are all one in this teaching of the aforementioned. Uh, But there is absolutely no process, there's no story. It's uh, Adam started out as perfect. Uh, a fallen mindset took place, and uh, man demanded the cross, and so God gave them the cross. I don't. I think that they possibly believe that God gave in to man's demands. Uh, I really don't know, because they won't answer questions. Yeah, we used to give out, Don and I used to give out the flying, fickled finger of something. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> it was very Don Bartlett-ish. He gave it with great joy. Uh, Whatever that was, we give you one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's amazing that um, the very thing that all the writers of the New Testament agree upon is the validity of the Hebrew Scriptures. Yeah. Now, they may misquote it, mistranslate it, misuse it, but they do agree in Mm -hmm. the fact that the Hebrew Scriptures is the straight and narrow gate uh, that brought us into where we
1: are today yeah they really do and uh and peter very clearly i've been reading a lot of uh second peter that has 3 chapters in it and uh my conclusion about it i'm going to teach on it soon the entire book of second peter but now mm. i see that this entire letter written by peter is a diatribe against paul mm uh and it was it is hilariously similar to the 32 page diatribe that i got uh against me from jim richards jim and uh peter and second peter have exactly the same opinions about my teaching as peter had about paul's teachings wow. uh, in fact many of the other quotes that they take uh, that Jim takes is from uh, Peter's letter; uh, those three uh, chapters that were written. And uh, my goodness, uh, what an uh, indictment that is there in Second Peter! But for to have your mind to finally settle in on some of those things. But folks, we don't make up our mind on things overnight. I mean, I've been considering and contemplating this about uh, uh, Peter's writings for 20 years. And I only this week came to the conclusion that Second Peter was a full-on assault against the teachings of Paul. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to start looking at it from that point of view to see whether or not uh, that is correct. So what am I going to be doing as I read it? I'm going to go through it and try to prove that I am wrong. Yeah. And I will submit that for, to others once I do teach on it, to help me prove this to be wrong, uh, Not to block everybody that disagrees with me about the conclusions that I make or may not come to about this Second uh, Peter chapter three. Uh, this story, in mode dynamic story of this disagreement of uh, Paul, the latecomer if you will to the uh work of christ and um uh and his disciples who constantly claim that their uh validation for being able to say that their gospel is true uh, is that they spent three years with him we you know we handled Mm. and touched him you know we we ate fish with him we You know, uh, we were there, and this other guy wasn't. And Paul, even though it is recorded he spent three years also with Christ after the resurrection, which I don't understand at all, uh, it's just recorded that he did. And that either happened or it didn't happen. But the fact of it is, uh, Paul never leaned on that as validation for his approval of his teachings. Uh Not one time that I can find Daniel yeah uh you know if uh, hey, if Jesus had spent two minutes with me, I'd have been spending the rest of my life talking about that two minutes mm-hmm. uh and, as others have done <laughs> <laughs> right uh but paul uh if this incident actually truly happened, he certainly had no need to try to validate himself; his interest was in validating the gospel,
0: mm. You know the the value that we have placed on the law and the prophets, Michael. Um, I, I feel like we're basking in that reward. Mm-hmm. Um, by, I mean just last week. I mean just the the to my to prioritize the law and the prophets, the law of the Psalms and the prophets is what Jesus um, uh, defined the Hebrew Scriptures as. Um, the law of the Psalms and the prophets by putting a value on that, we have really blown up our understanding of the gospel
1: story. Mm. And that is what modern day, since 1670, uh, Bible schools have deemed to be the term hermeneutics. Mm. Uh, Now, hermeneutics is simply a method by which you study the scriptures, uh, the Bible. Daniel explained to you his hermeneutics. uh, Everyone's been taught hermeneutics, whether they know it or not. Uh, you have a hermeneutics in your approach to studying the Bible, whether you know it or not. Well, if you've been to Bible school, been taught, you know, you don't even have to know the word hermeneutics to have it. Isn't that amazing? It's like a disease. Yeah. You could have it and not even know it. <laughs> I have a disease called hermeneutics. <laughs> Where'd you get it? From Herman, of course. <laughs> but... Uh, the it's it's a it is a made up term, uh, and it's only been in effect for since 1670. And uh, but now it is a flashpoint as to well, what are your hermeneutics? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. there's almost an arrogance that goes with it, and they got a good word for it to sound arrogant, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but we have a hermeneutics, uh, and everybody has a hermeneutics. You have a hermeneutics. I feel like Oprah Winfrey, and here's a an hermeneutics for you, and hermeneutics, and you get a hermeneutics, and you get a. Mm. But everybody's, I, I'm crazy. I don't know what causes these things to happen to me. They are possibly small aneurysms. So you guys just have to hold on. Um, because I'm enjoying them if they are. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, this, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it's a wonderful subject, but you've got to understand you've got to be comfortable with the hermeneutics of the people you are listening to and look at mm-hmm. your own hermeneutics as to what it is. Uh, Mine and Daniel's was find a verse and stand on it. And it didn't make any difference as long as the verse said it. And as Daniel told you, his uh, former uh, colleague took it even uh, more microscopic than a verse. It was just a piece of a part of a Mm. man, the doctrines that you can teach and man, can you teach and preach uh, barn burners and uh, stem winders and all of these things. Oh, goodness. Can they ever, ever really get you worked up? Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, Brother Shambach, who I was another man out of that whole group that I loved dearly. What a sweet, sweet man. Uh, he and I walked in the desert together. Mm. He had uh, had a heart attack and was losing weight and trying to recover. And we were out in Palm Springs together, teaching in a uh, situation there t- together. And so I always walked every day. At the time, I was walking 10 miles a day that walk. Brother Shambach uh, asked me if he could go with me, and of course, I shortened the walk and stuff. I didn't want to kill the man out in the <laughs> desert. and uh, But boy, some of the walks we've had i've I've walked in the desert with Jim Richards. I've walked in the desert with Andrew Womack. Uh I've walked in the desert with with Brother Shambach, and if I stopped and thought, I could tell you a few more that I've done these walks in the desert uh because that's that is where I lived part time and also where a lot of the meetings took place at at that time was in palm Springs so um uh, but I remember sorry, I got caught up in reminiscing there, but when you've walked in the desert with Shambok, you you've got some memories, I'm telling you. Yeah. But I remember him taking that one little line uh about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They disciples couldn't stay awake, and then uh Jesus asked them to pray. They they started snoring, so Jesus had to move away from them. So <laughs> uh so but the line says, and Jesus went a little further. Oh, my God. The sermon that came out of that and Jesus mm. went a little further. Oh, my God. You just wanted to go a little further. You didn't know which direction, but you knew you wanted to go a little further than where you were now. And that's all the difference in the world between Jesus and the disciples is that Jesus went a little further. Thank Man, goodness. I tell you what, I'm excited now. Just <laughs> <laughs> But that was, the reason I'm sharing that is that that was shambox hermeneutics. Mm. So everybody has it. uh, Everybody's got it. It's kind of like righteousness. Everybody's got it. But the difference between your father's hermeneutics and your hermeneutics is not the same. Calvinist has a different hermeneutics. Armenians have different hermeneutics. Catholics have different hermeneutics, and in then, then uh, subdividing all the way down into each and every one of their individual ones, the only real difference to explain our hermeneutics to you. Now, you can challenge our hermeneutics. Not only challenge what we teach, but. Cha- we beg you to challenge. The hermeneutics that we have. So our hermeneutics, uh, Daniel, you do it. What is our hermeneutics? Where does this all start? In the Hebrew scriptures. In the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus told us to study the Hebrew scriptures mm. uh, because they were all about him. Yeah. So hermeneutics 101 is the scriptures are all about Jesus. They're not about you. What we've done with Psalms 23 ought to absolutely grab anybody's attention around the world. I've got one more session to do now on Psalms 23 because of the hermeneutics that Jesus told us to have. And then we have uh, I read back through uh Second Corinthians again uh just a couple of days ago. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, first Corinthians chapter two. And Paul lays out the hermeneutics of how the Holy Ghost teaches mm. uh, he teaches by comparing he teaches by comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. well wouldn't it be nice to know what those spiritual things are? you know well we do chapter two tells us Paul's hermeneutics about what the Holy Ghost teaches, and he compares the cross to the Hebrew scriptures mmm. And it is, folks, it's worth your time to listen to this. You've got to get this ingrained uh, or throw it away. You must do one of two things with our hermeneutics. And that is either affirm it or throw it away. Uh, so, and the reason that Chris got his questions thrown out is because uh, uh, Kay, Fairchild, has a hermeneutics that she did not like the, the questions that were not based on her hermeneutics. Mm. So she had to throw it away altogether because it's challenges that cannot be uh, tolerated. You just can't, you got to keep people thinking a certain way. And as I said, the only difference is that we tell you what ours, our hermeneutics are or is, whichever is appropriate. Uh, And, uh, uh, Then, of course, we also know that the Holy Ghost, something else about the teaching that the Holy Ghost does about comparing the cross to the Hebrew scriptures is that he as a teacher teaches nothing except about Christ. Mm. So I have a question then for you,
0: Uh old captain. Uh Uh-oh. So last week we talked about John the Baptist, and um, I had quoted, I I think it was out of Luke, that said that the law and the prophets were until John Mm -hmm. the Baptist. So if the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist, then why do we still find value
1: in the law and the prophets? Well, again, one other part of our hermeneutics is context. Hmm. And according to the context of that statement, the straight and the narrow gate is the law and the prophets. It's, you know, it's it's really quite uncanny that uh, uh, Jesus' statement about John, who he said was the greatest of all of the priests and the prophets, uh, none greater before him. And then that greatest wasn't even worthy, did not count himself worthy to uh, unlatched the shoes that Jesus wore. Uh, so here is a dividing line, uh, from one world to another. That is very obvious, obvious that it was obvious to Jesus, obvious that it was also obvious to John. And, uh, then Jesus made the statement yeah, he's great. There's none greater than John the Baptist, but, uh, uh compared to uh, those in the kingdom of God, he's not even a spot on the wall. Mm. Uh, so wouldn't that be a good verse to eliminate the value of the uh, law and the prophets? Well, it is not a place to devalue the law and the prophets. It's a place to understand the place of the law and the prophets that bring us up to the cross. What if Christianity knew that all the law and all the prophets, uh, that what they did was deliver us to the cross Mm -hmm. instead of weaving Old Testament stuff into their today understanding of the cross? And, And that's bad hermeneutics also. So the answer to that is that actually validates the law and the prophets to be the proper instructor as to what was going to happen. And now what did happen Mm. at the cross. Wow. You leave out the law and the prophets, you're going to come up with your own definition for the cross to the extreme ignorance of saying that it was man who wanted the uh, crucifixion, not God.
0: Mm. That's what we have found over. I mean, just the, the last couple of years here that we've really been diving into this is the details of the Hebrew scriptures Mm. and this story. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, about the difference between believing and knowing. And why is it that I know this gospel is true? It's because of all of these details. And with the foundation of the Hebrew scriptures, And the precise details, I mean, the exact places he was born, the exact clothes he was wearing, the kings that came to see him, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on and on and on. All of those details into one story spanned over 6,000 years of human history. Mm -hmm. For that all to happen and culminate in the person of Jesus Christ to just be a coincidence? (laughs) I think not.
1: Yeah, you know, Don did a wonderful job teaching on this. And, you know, he, he shared how that uh, Jesus was either a lunatic or he was the savior of the world. There's no middle yeah. ground mm-hmm. as people have placed him in such middle ground uh, territories. Uh, but even the genealogy of Christ uh, uh, recorded in the New Testament, one starting with, uh, was it Abraham? And the other starting with Adam yeah. and uh, both leading right down to Christ. And then th- that the stories about those ancestors and the generations that are tied together with stories about the stories, about the stories, about the stories. And uh, they really are powerful. A- as you guys know, uh, and when you're researching genealogy, it is what it is, what it is, what it is. And uh uh, I've uh, often said about genealogy is that in uh, DNA is that uh, genealogy and DNA giveth and DNA and genealogy take <laughs> away. Uh, there's uh, glorious things. I thought about my ancestry and then find out that uh, actually uh, one of the key figures in my ancestry was a uh, prostitute uh, for 50 mm. years in Kingston, Tennessee. Uh, a documented prostitute, not just she was court documented, uh uh yeah. running a body house. And uh, I guess I get some of my bodiness from her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this uh it's something you can't change. Doesn't make any difference what your opinion of it is. It can't change. It's not going to. Yeah. And that's the same way as why is the entire uh, volume of the scriptures backdropped by the genealogy of the entire from Adam all the way to Christ? Mm. Uh, because genealogy cannot change. And uh, therefore, the stories must line up with the genealogy. And there's nobody who can understand it. Folks, it gets to such details that it has to be by revelation knowledge that they came up with the stories that connect with the genealogy. Mm -hmm. You're going to be learning more about that in our Canada conference. so.
0: Well, Michael, before we move on to our uh, next command, um, we wanted to do uh, a little appeal. I don't know, no, we're not asking for money, although you can send that too if you want to. But uh, we are in search for a yeah. transcriber. Um, we have been doing this series now. Um, I think this is, uh, I'm losing count, but I think we're about week 20 or so. And looking at the teachings and commandments of Christ, and I think we're about midway through. And it's our desire to get this into uh, book form yeah. through the next um, six, seven months that we have yet to work on it. And uh, we're looking for someone who could maybe help with that. And what we can do is we can take the segments of our mm-hmm. shows that we're doing, get them into your hands, both audio and audio. And I think we could do a audio to text, uh, but in doing that, it needs to be formatted and you know sound um, so it reads well. And so we're looking for someone to help with that. And uh, if you think that that's something you can do, um, give us a call or send us an email at freedom dot
1: at and let us know that you want to be a part. Mm-hmm. Let us make it clear also: we're not looking for an editor at this time. Uh, We don't want you to uh, insert what your thoughts are, uh, change the text because you think it it would be better if it was said this way or that way. We need a transcriber, and uh, we need somebody that is going to stick to what was said. And then let us go through working with you and seeing what does need to be edited. We are not at the editing stage. We are at the transcribing phase of this. So, uh, with that being said, uh, this uh, folks, and the reason we're being very cautious about this is that this, I think this book could absolutely impact the whole planet uh, on this, uh, the entire works of the teachings uh, and the uh, parables of Christ. What an incredible thing that is going on here and and seeing it through the hermeneutics of Christ himself you know and and if someone wants to michael they could just send me money and i can quit my job uh, and there then you go it. sure <laughs> absolutely it wouldn't even cost it wouldn't even it wouldn't even cost a 0.5% of the payment on the building down in- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, let's move on before I get butt hurt again, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, we,
0: again, have been working from a list from a specific uh, Christian organization that has a list of commandments and teachings of Christ that they encourage their followers Mm -hmm. to live by. Uh, but not before telling them that they can't live yeah. by them <laughs> unless they have uh, received oh, power. you got to have the grace
1: to keep the law. That's what the world teaches about grace right now. So, we have gone through the
0: list. And if if you missed um, any of the previous podcasts, I would encourage you to go listen to last week. Because last week, we kind of do a summary. We took a break and we went back because most of these were out of the book of Matthew, all but one and uh we went back and we had looked through how that all led us up to the point that it did last week in the straight and the narrow gate and how this is the law and the prophets but this week as we move on and um we are going to look at the next commandment which is to pray for the laborers yeah all right everyone time to pray we're yes. calling the prayer meeting and this is found in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37 and 38 which reads then he said to his disciples the harvest is truly plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into mm-hmm. his harvest
1: well uh goodness i remember the first time that was introduced to me of course at the baptist church which just meant you know you need to go witnessing And then my encounter with the children of God when I was 18 years old or so, you know, to say not, it's four months. And I sold everything I had and gave everything to them and then even my underwear. And And, uh, then um, uh, we were to be laborers in this harvest that there weren't four months to wait, you know. I was very much motivated by this verse, and was this verse was used to recruit me into uh, what was called the Children of God, led by David Brandt Burke. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of history. There's Netflix on it now. I would have never in my life dreamed that there would be a uh, movie about what went through with the Children of God. Now, I have to tell you that it's disappointing because uh, there's a lot of it that is exaggerated and there's a lot of it that is not really told in this. Uh, of course, that's based on my experience from being in the children of God. But dedication is what we were taught, praying and mm. going out witnessing folks when uh, the the any commandment is there to go out and go witnessing. I, I did that every day of my life for quite a long period of time, uh, eight hours a day as though it was my job. And it was my job. And mm. I, I got no pay. I got food and board. And that was it. And somebody else's underwear. So, uh, <laughs> you know, for those of you who have jumped over that part, and just dismissed it and somehow you are justifying your commitment by laying a chick track on uh, the counter before you walk out of a restaurant uh, and thanks for playing uh, but uh, there are people who've dedicated themselves to things like this mm. and uh, actually gone the suffered i mean here i am have uh, you know i panic attack you talk about walking up to somebody's door you don't know and knocking and asking to come in it's like whoo, lordy we never knew what we were going and stories can we tell you stories out of that oh Mm. my gosh the stories out of that period of time and the encounters with those people um they can be construed to be absolute god stories uh but the fact of it is they're just stories and uh, they are viewed based on the experience that we had at the time in doing that. So, uh, the uh, instruction about the harvest. Let me, let me make this statement as we go on. The teachings of Christ are not instructions as to what to do after the cross. Mm. Uh, that is, it is paramount that you understand that. Now, the teachings of Christ, as we have seen so far, were instructions to Jewish people to perfect the law. Uh, to, and then of course, the leading up to parables, uh, that were the transitional teachings, uh, from the law and the prophets through Christ into the manifestation of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. as uh, uh, Jesus said about John the Baptist, greatest of the great of the great. But when it comes to anybody, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Yeah, uh, because John wasn't righteous. John was not holy. John was not perfected in Christ. So the comparisons are valid, and the reasons for John the Baptist being Uh, nominal uh, compared to the least in the kingdom are valid. Those are valid statements based on the reality of what happened at the cross. But when you start trying to take the teachings of Christ and apply them as instructions, just as we shared with you before, seek, ask, not is not an instruction for a prayer life after the cross. Uh, We went into great detail about that. And uh, if you uh, if you don't understand this, you're going to wind up in the children of God. You're going to wind up selling everything you have and giving it to the poor because there's only four months to harvest and don't say that you can wait. No, the waiting is done. So, mm-hmm. Daniel, wh- uh, where do we go with this? Goodness. Well, I I think your statement
0: there is real good. Um, That's out of John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look Mm -hmm. on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, Jesus is speaking to people right then and there and saying, look at the harvest is ready now. Mm -hmm. And here we are 2,000 years later. Christianity is here 2000 years later saying, Hey, look, the harvest is plentiful right now. And we missed the importance of what Jesus was saying. We're not waiting even four months from now. Mm -hmm. The harvest is coming in right now. And that's not a statement that is true today. You cannot read John 435 and be a true statement today because the harvest has already been harvested.
1: Yes. So whatever that means. So what we have to do at that point is look at what what is he actually talking about wheat? Is he actually talking about tares as we read mm. on into this of the separation of the two? I think that anyone of uh, any reasonable mindset would say, number one, he is not talking about wheat. He is not talking yeah. about weeds. Uh, he is talking about something else. And I think we might ought to give Jesus a chance to explain this, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and
0: again, as we have found out that there are parables that go along with these commandments Mm -hmm. and the parable, and Michael, I'm glad we get to address this because it's probably one of the parables that people ask us to address almost more than any other one. Mm -hmm. And that is the parable of the wheat and the tares. Mm -hmm. Um, So... um, hoping that we can get through it. Awesome. I don't know. People haven't been able to do it yet. So, Uh, But here's Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24, where the parable of the wheat and tares begin. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to them, Sir, do you not know the good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and to gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them but Mm. gather the wheat into my barn. And then as Jesus has done a few times, not with every parable, but a few times he explains Mm. the parable. And I'm so glad he does because it really brings a lot of clarity. So if we move down now to verse 36, uh, then Jesus sent the multitudes away and he went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, Mm. and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered together and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will gather out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and cast them into the furnace Mm. of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the
1: kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, Mm. let him hear. I have an ear I want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) The entire focus of where uh, we think this is coming from. First off, let's eliminate what it is not about. Daniel, do you think we would be on uh, solid ground at least to try to take the next step to say this has nothing to do with today? Yes. All right. So if that is true, then what our where our focus goes is when did this take place? Is it already completely done? Mm. And if it is completely done, what do these things mean? Yeah. Tweets and tears and harvest and who sowed it but it sounds as though that Christ himself was the director of this harvest is is that what that's saying that Jesus himself is the director of the harvest or?
0: yeah so the one who sowed the seed is the son of man and oh okay yep, yeah and then the son of man will send out his angels
1: all right so even though Jesus said pray that the lord of the harvest would bring in laborers to his harvest the laborers that we have described here are angels not mm. men wow so uh, now we have a very interesting thing here i think about angels and about laborers as that both of those words can be translated as teachers mm. The term uh, is the term laborer. It does mean a toiler, and figuratively, it means a teacher. Mm. I, uh, that's that's shocking to me. <laughs> I did not. I had no clue <laughs> about that. Then, of course, we know that uh, in uh, Second Timothy, whether it's pseudographical or not, we've not gone through these. Uh, 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 possibly pseudographical, but it doesn't mean every statement in there is untrue. But it says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Mm -hmm. Uh, The continuity of accurate teaching uh, is a, a paramount to the prophets To Moses, to Christ, proper teaching. Proper teaching about what? Uh, Proper teaching about a transition from the uh, law and the Psalms and the prophets into the kingdom of God. And that point of transition who did it? How was it done? And there's so many points we could be teaching today on the, this very point as to when that, uh, that Christ uh, uh, at the cross, uh, before the cross, definitely before anything ever happened on the cross, he drew the entire human race into his own body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be a gathering of the wheat. Yeah, into his barn. Into his barn and, uh, not to reduce just to a barn, but, <laughs> uh, you know, nice barn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we do see the, uh, connection here between, uh, uh, the laborers gathering everything in. And of course the one whose barn it was, was the Lord of the harvest himself. Hmm. So, we have a barn <laughs> uh we have a Lord of the harvest happens to be the same person uh he is the barn he is the uh uh the Lord of the harvest uh uh it seems that these laborers, according to him, and I think probably according to now that I'm thinking about it uh, uh the the revelation doesn't say that this is about. People, it's about angels. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, Michael, that the work that the angels are doing in this parable um, have nothing to do with the righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the work that the angels are involved in is, um, uh, according to the, what the Bible says here, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Mm hmm. Now, I was just looking at that, Michael, and this is the same thing we found in uh, 1 Corinthians when we went through that portion about anything that defiles the temple. Yes, I remember that. Um, Listen to this here. This is uh, Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom Mm. all things that offend, and them that do iniquity. Mm-hmm. Now, just as we have found in the translation of 1 Corinthians, Michael, it's here too. Out of his kingdom, all things. Things is added. Wow. Again, Again. out of his kingdom, all offense. So, what is his angels doing? They're taking out of the kingdom all offense. Mm-hmm. Not all things that offend, but wow, all offense.
1: All offenses.
0: And then it translates it and it says them which do iniquity again a terrible translation and and all iniquity wow he's taking out of the kingdom all offense and all iniquity and he cast them not people but all offense wow. and all iniquity he cast into the
1: furnace of fire dude you got to stop doing this to me right now at the show <laughs> <laughs> you say you don't do this deliberately, but I have my suspicions
0: <laughs> you, I, I, you look look at this is why it's important for us to have our homereutics
1: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> because we have allowed other people to impose their homoreutics on top of ours. And by doing so, what they have done is they have turned something that has taken offense and iniquity out of the way, and they put people in there. And they have made wow. it anybody who offends and anybody who walks in iniquity. My God. And it's taken the very thing that the cross dealt with and turned it into people. Mm. And, and by doing so, now all of a sudden the tares are people. And according to what Jesus is saying here, he's not talking about people, he's talking about the very things. That have defiled the people.
1: So to do, uh, to take away all things that offend and all iniquity that offends, uh, what has to happen is that the law has to be removed. Mm, My goodness. Goodness gracious. Um, this uh this process is one of the most dynamic stories that, well there is nothing more important ever told on the face of planet earth the the mistranslation of uh this word uh, again i am not surprised and and no daniel i didn't cover this uh, as we went into our studies to how to how to present this to you today but uh the learning never stops. I mean mm-hmm. uh look now I, I this is very important that you see part of the hermeneutics of the gospel revolution, and that is that we look at the translation and the context closely, and there's some things that we have found, and that is things uh all th- many places many many places there there's a word for things but there's places where the word things is inserted without a Greek word mm-hmm. and uh, where that all is inserted and then other supportive words that aren't in the Greek are put there to uh, support that term uh, they do this time and time again once you see the trickery of this then it is quite uh, easy to see, as uh, Daniel's pointed out to us here. Now, this really is does compare to 2 Corinthians. And uh, Daniel, let's read that again of 2 Corinthians about the temple and all things that offend.
0: Yeah, I will read it out of the Religion Free Bible, which you can uh, you can get your. We have it listed on our website. If you go to GospelRevolution.com and look under Read, uh, you can find uh, the Religion Free Bible. If you'd like a paperback version of that, you can get that. Uh, we have translated 1 Corinthians. And I'll read it out of there. And it says Now, if anyone builds upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Anyone's Mm. effort to teach the work of Christ is made known for the day of the Lord declares it. Mm. The day of the Lord was revealed by fire. And that same fire examines every man's effort to teach the work of Christ Mm. of what purpose it is. If anyone's effort to build upon the foundation remains, it is proof that he has grasped the reward of righteousness. If anyone's effort is consumed, that indeed is a loss, but the person is preserved whole, even though his efforts are consumed by fire.
1: My goodness. So we have the implication of the same laborers, uh, the same process, the same moment. We have found the implication that the term laborers means teachers. We know, everybody knows that the term angel can mean messenger. And here we have Paul sharing this incredible insight that seems to be very supportive of this notion that we're talking about, if we're talking about laborers, we're talking about teachers. Yeah. And the thing that's being consumed by fire is the thing that just absolutely doesn't line up with the gospel. Mm hmm. Uh, We are persuaded at this time, unless uh, in future moments we see something else. But uh, at this time, we are convinced that all of this happened in one moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the cross, and that everything was consumed. Whether you're teaching it today or not, it's not going to be consumed by fire. Uh, The uh, If it was, there'd be a whole lot of burning going on. Uh, and it'd be either us or them <laughs> no. this, uh, uh, these two positions cannot l- exist in the same place that draws air uh they just are absolute opposite as uh Chris was able to take his conversation with uh uh with k to a point where that it was deleted uh and and that is the conclusion that the cross was a demand that. Man had not God. Uh, I don't know why people feel like they've got to save God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it it really is. I think God saved Himself. I remember Carlton's comments about this. Of course, we have a picture of him sitting on the stage where he made uh, some one of these declarations. But uh, another thing that. Carlton made clear during our conference there uh, was that uh, uh, they thought that this was something that God required, uh, that the blood was a necessary thing at all, uh, was just to be laughed at. Mm. And uh, this is a man who preached and taught about the blood for uh, most of his life. Uh, and then suddenly there's this invasion, and yes, he did come through the understanding of the gospel through the gospel revolution, and then he left that behind very quickly. Turned the things about the cross into a laughing stock. He was offended by the cross. You can't say anything less than that than if this was an offense uh, to the cross, as Chris has so aptly pointed out to us. Uh, the difference between it being the plan of God and it being the plan of man, it leads to a Christ that we are absolutely stupid for having any uh, trust in whatsoever.
0: Michael, this 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 whole story about the laborers is substantiated all the way from the prophets through the revelation. Mm-hmm um actually one of the um footnotes here for this parable goes to revelation chapter 14 uh 14:14 14, 14, and it reads this and then i looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son mm-hmm. of man having his head a golden crown and his hand a sharp sickle another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud thrust in mm-hmm. your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is my ripe. God. So he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, uh, these are direct quotes out of uh, Joel and Jeremiah about this harvest being ready and the earth being ready. And my, ripe. my, my. And the revelation, again, as we have, uh, we said that so many times as we were teaching it, it's not about the future. Yeah. It is something that took place in the work of Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection.
1: The accuracy, the precision is is brought out by the the sharpness of the blade of the sickle to divide from uh, the greatness of John the Baptist to those that are reaped into the kingdom of God uh, is so profound uh just absolutely profound. Daniel, the clarity that you've brought to this today out of that one verse that uh, that one verse has been such a stumbling block again. you've got to do that again. Do that verse again. Now that we've gone through these, will you please, for my sake, go through that and uh, show us where things uh, and and the term uh, them, uh, meaning not people, but the two things that were just mentioned. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is the linchpin for all of this, folks. Uh, on this, unless this verse says what it is implied to say, then we have built case to where that all previous understandings of the harvest and it being between bad people and good people or righteous people and unrighteous people. We've not found that in any of the quotes from Jeremiah, uh, any of the quotes of the prophets. We've not found that anywhere in the revelation of these things having been fulfilled. There is one verse that implies that this is a separation between good people and bad people. Will you please, for the entire sake of the planet, read this and teach this to us one more time, Daniel.
0: So this is Matthew chapter 13 and verse 41. And this is how it reads of the King James Version. The son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather together out of his kingdom, all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Now, if you look to the Greek, And they shall gather out of his kingdom all things. Those two words, all things, is one single Mm -hmm. word. It's pause, which is just means all. So there's no things. Mm -hmm. So he shall gather out of his kingdom all. And then the next two words that offend. There's no Greek word for that. There's only the word Mm. offend or offense. So he shall gather out of his kingdom all offense and which is simply a conjunction and then it translates them which do as one mm. word and that word is anything that causes uh in this case iniquity so something to cause not a person who does but something who caused something that causes iniquity So he shall gather together out of his kingdom all things that offend and anything that causes iniquity. And he shall cast them, and that word them is Mm. ados. And what we have learned about ados is it really depends on the context. Yes, it can refer Mm -hmm. to people, but you have to look at the context. And up to this point, we do not see people. My God. We see an offense and we see iniquity. And so, that offense and that iniquity, that is what is being cast into the fire. So,
1: the story is that God separated offense and iniquity from all people. Mm, Yes. He didn't separate offensive people from righteous people. Mm. He separated the offense and the iniquity from the harvest and brought them all into the kingdom. Yeah. And and that is
0: again uh the apostle Paul teaches that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and I if I read one verse past what I read earlier it says do you understand that you are the temple of God. Yeah. And the spirit of God inhabits you. Mm-hmm. If anything defiles the temple of God it will yeah. be destroyed. And as we went through that translation the King James version puts in they, they will be destroyed. If anyone defiles the temple, they will be destroyed. But once again, as we go to the Greek, it reads, if anything defiles the temple of God, it will be destroyed. But you, for you are the temple of God and you are holy.
1: Daniel, I want you to stop and contemplate a moment. I want you to compare two things for me. And I want your visceral gut level reaction. Uh, a doctorate 4 years of schooling in at Raymond Bible Training Center and your understanding of this one verse compare those two and the value
0: it makes me want to take my doctorate certificate
1: All right. This had to be bleeped out, just what Daniel said. But what it meant was to turn his doctorate into toilet paper and use it thusly. Uh, So (laughs) that's the published version of... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) But I asked for visceral. I asked for <laughs> gut level, and it don't get any more gut level or visceral than that. <laughs> so we know what the doctorate now means to you. Is there any way of explaining what this verse means to you now? <laughs>
0: I, I don't know that there would be. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's salvation at mm-hmm. it, it's the definition of salvation
1: salvation at it's finest isn't it
0: yeah because michael the this parable you know even as as RGRs, i mean it's something that stumbled the brain mm-hmm. you know what is this division you know and and we've been always painted this picture that um daniel stands on the left and michael stands on the right and mm-hmm. one's going to burn in hell and the other one's going to heaven mm-hmm and that is the furthest thing from what jesus is describing here yeah uh
1: and it's it's not in the teachings of paul that were inserted uh into his understanding uh Mm. it's not in this uh, teaching of christ it's not in the revelation it's not in the prophets
2: Mm. Uh,
1: it's not there one single time and here in this one verse has been uh, at, at one verse in Jesus's teaching and a verse out of Paul's teaching were meticulously manipulated to set people at odds with each other and to judge one another. I would say that 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and these verses in Matthew's chapter 13. Yes uh that had these been understood 500 years ago that genealogy that i showed you of the kings of uh, uh now i've got one of uh, eastern europe uh because my genealogy actually ran into all the way to the eastern part uh so i've got another one of those now but uh, all of those are based on My
2: God. They're all based on the separation of the wheat and the tares. Goodness. Um,
1: People being convinced that somebody else is the tares and they are the wheat and all of these sickles and blades and war and all justified by. The misunderstanding, mistranslation, uh, it has to be deliberate. There's mm. just hardly a way uh, this could have accidentally been translated, especially the, uh, in the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Paul, to have been uh, translated to mean something completely opposite to what it actually states in the Greek. hmm
0: yeah, what what would it be like today, Michael, if instead of spending 2,000 years telling people they need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, so that you wouldn't be on Judgment Day divided like wheat and tare, mm-hmm. but rather proclaiming the good news that the tares have been removed from all of mankind?
1: Yeah, the thing that condemns you has been removed. hmm Uh, out of the harvest. Uh, Yes, those verses condemn you, but please understand those things were removed. They've been removed Mm. Uh, just as uh, Paul's uh, uh, testimony and um, his teachings about the law and the going from glory to glory. Uh, that teaching of going from glory to glory is the separation of the wheat. And, and wow. uh, there was a glory to everything that ran up to the cross. Christ himself had sown the, this seed. This was the seed of righteousness that goes back to before the foundation of the world. And that seed produced that seed was absolute and it absolutely consumed the entire earth. And uh, the only thing left to do is to remove what was called iniquity and offenses all based on the law and remove the law. How do you get rid of all offense? How do you get rid of all iniquity? You must take out all law. No -hmm. other way. No other way. See, to take offense and iniquity and make it about actions and deeds is to miss the gospel altogether. To take away offense and iniquity by the removal of the law is to have a direct hit on the understanding of what the gospel actually is.
0: So for us to pray for the laborers to be sent into the field for the harvest, um, you're 2,000
1: years late. Yeah. What is it? It's blah, 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 blah. And if you don't
0: think it's 2,000 years late, then you have, just like the aforementioned, belittled the cross to nothing more than something that a man demanded.
1: You know, we're we're just in such a peculiar time, a peculiar place. We have a peculiar history. Um, the people that are listening right now, uh, span the gamut. You just, I'm telling you folks, you would not believe how many n- newbies we have and they're captivated just like you were, just like Don Bartlett was the first time he heard Galatians three and the statement that if, uh, for you that are justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. Mm. And his entire world flipped upside down based on one verse. Mm. And suddenly he saw another paradigm of the gospel. Goodness, how many people could we go through, you know, that uh, they hated this teaching to start out with. Randy French was ordered to burn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all of this uh, chaff, all of this uh, weeds, and stubble. uh, And uh, uh, the very thing he was ordered to destroy, somehow he missed the one tape that he recorded himself. And uh, 10 years after the fact, he found this uh, recording in the bottom of a box. Being the OCD person that Randy is about his recordings, he wanted to listen to make sure that he had not recorded something over this false doctrine. And he said, "When he turned it on, he said, "I swear, Michael, I'd never heard it, and yet he was the one that recorded it. Mm, my goodness. um you know, uh, we do not understand that point, Daniel. uh if we did, we'd bottle it and do it for everybody, yeah, but that point for you is not the point. That Don had is not the point that Daniel had, is not the point that, and the list just goes on and on and on. So, our only hope now, the, you know how many people that this will be the linchpin? This will be the thing that saves their soul and causes them to abandon Christianity. Yes, mm. I said it straight out loud mm. abandon Christianity, which has warped the thoughts of people to think that there is a them and a they in the separation of the wheat and the tares instead of an it being separated from a them and all its have been separated separated from all thems and what a glorious insight and all of them have been declared to be righteous all of it Has been burned up. Had I heard this podcast, Michael, 25
0: years ago, I would have certainly saved my life a lot of heartache. Wow. I, yeah, I hear you. And so it is we must leave you, family and friends. If you'd like to know anything about the Gospel Revolution, then call our office on
1: 832-318-9339
0: and speak to us about how you want to participate. Or go to www.gospelrevolution.com and hit the Connect link. You can find us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Please be sure to hit that subscribe, share, and like button on whatever platform you are listening. Now it's a big wowza. Yeah, I am amazed <laughs> from Daniel Rouse in the frozen tundra.
1: And the same thing from uh, Michael Williams. And uh, I just, uh, folks, you, you need to know that I could not have a better partner, fellow laborer in the gospel than uh, Daniel Rouse. I learned from him. I graciously and thankfully learned from him. I wouldn't have missed this experience, Daniel, for anything in this planet or this universe that it would have to offer. This is just amazing. And and you guys, gosh, I know you appreciate it. I know that these things, we want to become known around the world. And your participation is what's going to help that to happen. There's a lot we can do, but we've fallen way behind. As far as finances in 2023, Uh, just uh, an amazing cut, amazing into what we're doing. But there has been no cut at all in what we're producing, and there never will be. I guarantee you that whether you give or not, and Don Bartlett would roll over in his grave again, whether you give or not, this is going to continue. It's just how easy are you going to help us? Uh, to make it Rather than it being something that we're struggling to do
0: We sure hope that you enjoyed Today's PowerCast And remember, we'll be here to do the same thing All over again next week Is it even
1: possible? Oh, better <laughs> Since you're knocking on the door You're
2: begging to come in, yeah I know where the awful wildness Been knocking from within You are the love you see. A perfect day guys yeah 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 when you feel Gotta be nothing to complete. It's not a thing that you need, y'all. The love, just remember to breathe and take a second off. Look, I'm just trying to remind you that you're perfectly nearby.
0: Deconstructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows of Christianity before your very eyes, you are listening to The
1: Gospel Revolution